There's not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, Mine. Abraham Kuyper In this book we add our voices to those Christians who are calling on believers to pray for a historic outpouring of God's Spirit on His church. Without that, there's no hope. But we shouldn't just pray or get riled up for a few months, endorse the right policies, and elect politicians who claim to support them. To see our culture restored, Christians must do a lot more. We must understand the sources of the ideas that ail us as well as their alternatives. We must learn to connect and apply these alternatives and think clearly about them. We must argue persuasively in the public square, apply our convictions consistently in our personal lives, build lasting alliances among Christians, other believers, and friends of freedom who share some but not all of our views, and act strategically to influence the people and institutions that shape culture over the long term. First, though, we need to clear out the weeds and fog in our thinking that have kept us from succeeding in the past and clear a path to understanding and progress in restoring our culture. Principles, not partisanship. A popular bumper sticker says, God is not a Republican or a Democrat. The statement is certainly true. God isn't a member of any political party. Hope doesn't ride on the back of an elephant or a donkey. The Bible and Christian theology don't provide a detailed blueprint for public policy. No biblical text tells us if we should prefer an income tax or a sales tax, a direct election or an electoral college, a president or a prime minister. Faithful and well-meaning Christians disagree about politics and will do so until the Lord returns in all His glory. Still, conflicting ideas about politics and economics can't all be right. Some policies contradict basic Christian principles, even if Christians support them. Some Christians in previous centuries tried to justify chattel slavery from Scripture, but they are wrong to do so. Today, some Christians think there is a right to abortion that the law should protect. Their view flies in the face of the moral truth, almost 2,000 years of Christian teaching, and the Founder's firm conviction of the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Life comes first. Other policies have a good purpose and are based on a sound moral principle, but don't work because they aren't well thought out. You might believe that since we should care for the poor, a principle, Congress should raise the minimum wage to $100 an hour, a policy, and then everyone will be rich, a purpose. But the policy won't work the way you believe it will. It will create massive unemployment. In general, a good public policy will apply a true principle in the right way. That means that if we want to help people, if we want policies that allow people to thrive, then we need to know not just moral truth, but economic truth as well. A Coalition of Faith, Family, and Freedom We wish every American would listen to this book, but there are three groups we really want to reach. If all three will come together as allies, with God's help, we can restore the culture, stabilize the economy, and secure our freedom. Think well don't just mean well. First, we spent many hours talking with and hearing from people of faith, including some good-hearted and intelligent people who disagree with us. The contact has sharpened our thinking. 
We know believers who think their faith requires them to support certain progressive or liberal policies. For instance, many believe free enterprise or capitalism is all about greed and keeping down the poor. Many also are opposed to the use of military force. We understand these views. One of us, Jay, once shared them. In college, I thought the free market economy was based on greed and exploited the poor, so Christians shouldn't support it. I also thought that Christ's command to turn the other cheek was impossible to square with military service. I concluded that Christians should be pacifists. I slowly came to realize that my views on these subjects were a motley mix of good intentions, bad economics, and a misreading of the Bible in the Christian tradition. I'm now convinced that a free economy is the best way to alleviate poverty and create wealth, and that sometimes we should take up arms because we value human life. We'll explain why in later chapters.